What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome to another episode of the Bandwagon Podcast. And today um, is a podcast that I'll be trying to put together for a while because it's um, it's a very special one. Let's put it this way. It's the most amount of people I've had in a in a podcast virtually. Um, and it's probably the safest that I've, I feel as well at this point because I've been knackered. And I'm sure um, we're going to uh, go through a lot of kind of emotion in, in, in the next few sort of... Uh, hour or so i reckon so on that further ado i want to uh, gladly introduce the guests which i'll, I'll let them do individually because they're all fairly unique in their own special way um but it's asian women means business crew i'm gonna prove everyone say hello how's it going hi ricky yeah we're good thank yeah, you for yeah, having I'm, on. I'm hoping the, the sound doesn't doesn't uh conveys through pretty well yeah, it does. Now we can hear you. Okay, great, great. Okay, so I ain't going to nominate who's going to be able to speak on what bits because this is entirely your space. But when I came and um, came across sort of your journey, I saw it on social media. And then that kind of spurred it on because I was like, how have I missed this? Like the stuff that you've been doing, how have I missed it? I'm fairly active on social media. To see this bit and it, I just kind of went into well you the... can't have been that a- uh, active if you missed that <laughs> well but also can I say you're not our you're not actually our demographic <laughs> the clue is in the title Asian yeah. women well <laughs> see I, I'm kind of like I'm trying to be a little bit more eclectic in my algorithm so I've done stuff around endometriosis I've been trying to self-educate yeah, myself on on a few things because what I felt is um uh, you know I've got a daughter as well and um, I just sometimes I feel like some of the conversations I'm missing out when she's having those conversations with with her mom. So I wanted to kind of be aware of stuff. And then you see people's situations, even within your your friend circle that, you know, what they're going through and some of the topic areas that you guys have covered when I've kind of fleeted and I went down the rabbit hole. I thought, ah, this needs to be even though I might not be the demographic, the sound bites are still relevant to everyone. So kind of in terms of. You mentioned kind of the demographic. How did this come about? Then what? What was? What did you feel the need was to kind of set this whole organisation up? So um, that would be that would be me. Hi everyone, I'm Rupinda Kaur. I'm the founder of Asian Women Mean Business, and really it came about because I felt that that there was something missing that I was missing. I felt that I was missing community. I felt that I was missing a sisterhood. I felt like I was missing like-minded women, and. And the saying goes: Sometimes you've got to you've got to set the table. You've got you've got to make the table. If the table hasn't been hasn't been created for you to join, you have to do it. So, I the, so look. Here's the thing: the the desire was very selfish because I felt like 
this is something that I want. And if I want it, I'm sure there's other people that would want it. And our focus is really much on, very much on being an uplifting space for South Asian women, where we come together and we talk about personal development, about growth, about things that I wasn't seeing being spoken about in any other space. Um, and it's been brilliant. And these these incredible ladies are, are part of it. And I'm sure we're going to talk about our Kilimanjaro journey as well that came up. Um, as, and, me, as, and me to be two coming up. Yes, we got Machu Picchu next year. Yeah, yeah, see, look, man, I'm tr- this is the advertising bit. I'm trying to get and then get it, get it going for next year as well. You know what I mean? Um, I mean it's really interesting you say that. Um, one of the things that I specialize in, and we, I was just talking a little bit off camera, was around substance misuse and bringing people in from the community and um trying to fight those kind of those barriers. Let's say cultural biases and barriers within organizations to try and get the asian kind of voice out there and um you know something that you said is something like i put on on my instagram once which was like you know i was fighting to get onto that table until i made my own table sat there and i called them for dinner yes yes (laughs) because it was around that the those those needs and stuff were were not being represented so when you put when something comes like that together and it's you've had that self-epiphany how do you then plan out what the next steps look like because to even have that skill of to create something is one thing, but the next steps to move it forward are even harder, I believe, because you 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 could do you could do something around a subject, a campaign around one subject area, but then to plan it out is is a lot more difficult to do to have that consistency. How did you how did you guys kind of cater for that, and what was support coming in at that point? So my background is in psychology and HR. I was I'm in human resources for 15 years. And, and through that, I saw a lot. Like, and the story I, I often share is I was, I was 27 when I got promoted. I was head of HR at 27 years old for a region, walked into the regional board meeting, and all the faces I saw looking back at me were male, pale, and stale. Um, there, were, there was no one that looked like me. And I just remember thinking, like, where are all the brilliant women that I went to uni with? Like, where are all these re- incredible women that studied with me? And when I was talking to them, they were, all of them were like administrators, assistants, juniors. And I, I said, look, we've all done the same degree. We've all got the same passion and the same ambition. How can it be that I'm here and you guys are doing this? So then I just decided that here's the thing, when you make it, when you make it, you've got to look behind you and you've got to take people back, take people with you. And so sometimes there's this mentality, I'm going to be the only one that's made it. I don't want to take anyone else with me. But through that, I was like, no, no, we're not doing that. So I started doing coaching and mentoring and started sharing with other women. I am unapologetically, unashamedly all about South Asian women. That's me. That's my community. That's my daughter. That's my mother. That's my sisters that are here today. Because I believe when when South Asian women make it, when we're in the boardrooms, when we're running these businesses, when we are financially independent, this world will be a better place. So I started doing coaching and mentoring and then did my qualifications in that and then set up AWMB. But in terms of how I did it, I did the thing that like we say to others to do. I got advice. I spoke to people. I spoke to coaches and mentors. I spoke to others. Um, I saw what others were doing in the space with memberships, with uh, workshops, with retreats. There's a lot of white women that are doing what I'm doing. None of us are reinventing the wheel unless we're Elon Musk and about to do, you know, Tesla or about to do SpaceX. None of us are doing anything that's brand new. There's a blueprint out there already. 
So you take that, you speak to those people and you think about how you can apply it. And that's exactly what I did. And a lot of what I do, as I say, is always kind of following my passion. And and I just think if, I, if I'm into it, maybe there'll be others. So, you know, we have a paid book club, which is a self-development book club. I choose a book, 10 women join me, we read it together, we dissect it, we talk about our learnings. We have our membership club, which is all about personal professional development. We do uh, workshops and retreats. Um, and as a part of that, the next evolution was, we don't see enough brown women going on epic adventures. Like we can all go and book a holiday in Dubai and go and sit on a beach for five days, but we don't see enough women outdoors. And that's what we wanted to bring in. That's what we wanted to introduce. And, and that was the, the sort of theory behind the Climb Killy with AWMB this summer. I mean, that is that is incredible in terms of having it kind of articulated in such a, uh, trying to professionalise a desi market to such a level of like, it's so professionally what you've said. That is just the standard of going into any kind of working working environment and having that structure. So like, well done to that. That is that's unbelievable. So in terms of like um like Kieran and Belinda, obviously Rupinda's just started that bit off. In terms of your own journey, because obviously you will have a you'll have an idea um of of what you wanted. What was the first part of attraction into into thinking that hang on, what is this about? I'd love to be a part of it. In terms of being part of AWMB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll be honest, I'm um I'm Rapinda Benji's like very own little fan club. And I started with Ignite and it was a workshop and um, it was my first introduction into a workshop of that setting. And honestly, it blew my head away. Um, I had just I found her at a perfect time because I, I had just lost. Well, I say just but I'd lost my father and I was an adult woman with grown children and the first funeral I'd been to was my dad's. So I was in a bit of a real like, and also nobody talks about death. Like it's such a taboo subject. Like death is somebody, something nobody talks about. We got into Ignite workshop and I didn't even know what had made me go there. I had found her on Instagram fell deeply in love with her, decided this is who I want to be when I grow up, realised I had grown up. And what I realised is my grieving process started. And I tell you what, it was the unravelling of something that I didn't even knew, know I had like really wrapped up so beautifully and tapped away somewhere. And so for me, it was a form of therapy. It was a form of exposure to something I'd never seen in my life before. Um, you know, there was stuff that I didn't even know that, you know, it was really, and it was stuff that was so basic yet, but in my, and I thought I was really like, you know, well-traveled. I knew, I, I thought I knew stuff, but I learned things that I just thought, gosh, this is so basic. Why has nobody had these conversations with us? And actually I'm the mum of a little girl. I don't want her to grow up like me feeling so confused. So it was, for me, it was the unravelling of something so beautiful that's led to like journeys, epic adventures that honestly, 10 years ago, I would never even have imagined. Oh, well, I mean, thanks for sharing that because it, it, it having those kind of shares and stuff is that that's the empowerment in terms of the, in terms of the story and especially kind of 
um, speaking about it, 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 I come again, I come from like an addictions background. And then when you hear kind of people who have that lived experience and put it in their way, um, you know, there's always something that you can always take something away from that. And, um, you know, I, I think a few things that you said were, you know, were very relatable. Um, and then with yourself, uh, Belinda, was there, was that kind of a similar journey or was it um, a little bit different? Or is this, uh, is this part of that fan club that's getting bigger and bigger? Yeah, oh, we're well, the fan club. club. We're actually related, so. Oh, oh so that don't count. <laughs> so can I say something? I'll let Blinda come in, Ricky. So Blinda and I are related. She's my cousin. But I'm telling you, A, she's the most cynical person you'd ever meet. Yes. <laughs> I like that. I said to her, she just looks at me like incredulous, like, what is this? Um, and also, actually, I think it's much harder sometimes to get family on board. Oh, yeah. So, so Having said that, now I'll let Blinda share her. <laughs> Do you actually, yeah. how does the family follow you on socials and stuff? That's a big challenge as well. Because like, you, you can send stuff out. I do it with my podcast. I'll send it out and that, and I still get the same people. Your, your biggest fans are your strangers. This is this never a true saying. Well, no, I'm really lucky. Blinda <laughs> is my biggest fan. Okay, she, that's right. she is my ride or die, but we're just very different. And yeah. we just... Um, yeah, so I think, so when I launched Inspire Club and you joined, I think she didn't know, Like, and now it's been two and a half years, it'll be three years, but like, share, why don't you share, Lynn? Like, what you thought? Well, like you said, I'm cynical, and I was like, yeah, I know she's wicked, but what, you know, what am I actually going to get from this? I was thinking, like, normally we have our own conversations and stuff, and she's always been there for me, so I was like, well, what's the point? But I'm telling you, it was something that I didn't know that I needed. Um, the community she set up, like my, but I thought it was just her that was like this, and that was it. But um, yeah, it's just a group of the most amazing women and cheerleaders for whatever you, you know, whatever you want to do. It's not just for people that have businesses, just for self development. Like for me, I know in confidence, um, I thought I was confident, but I do struggle a bit. I have dyslexia, so um, just self confidence and even doing this podcast. I've never done a podcast before. Oh wow! I just find really um difficult even speaking in front of others thinking that oh do I find sound a bit dumb and yeah so just I think just in my own head but um yeah being part of this community has just um helped me grow so much that um yeah I've got so much more confidence that's unbelievable well I couldn't tell that you didn't have any confidence I mean that is you know it's quite a state state well, to come out to be like that I think we do take it um kind of for granted especially if you're in a public speaking environment that everyone feels comfortable in in, in sharing and speaking your, their stories as well so you know like um you, you guys have come together you're in the the first stages how did you decide in terms of which kind of campaigns or things that you wanted to concentrate on because if people are coming from different even with this conversation there are people are coming with different baggage a bit uh you know different agendas in terms of their head to or something that they want to seek how did you kind of, how as a group do you decide okay for this year we want to do this or this is the the vision is it still kind of driven by yourself or is it kind of more um i i I'm trying to yeah, there's, 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 no, there's no democracy. I just it's no. <laughs> yeah. I just um so no, so I look here's the thing. So the for example, the three of us are, are mums, you know, we've got kids, we've got um we've got eight kids between us. These two have got three each, I got I've got two. And um, they're both of them are professionals. We have others who are professionals. So, and we, we're, I'm really clear about what's important in life. Like, 
my family are important, my kids are important. And so everything I do has to fit around that. And so we, I'm very deliberate and intentional in what I do and how I set the agenda. So we have Inspire Club, which is a membership club. You join that, we open doors just once a year. We get a cohort join us. And then, you know, we have a library of content. But I design the content. So I am the expert in South Asian women in terms of, especially now, like mm. I've been doing this now for 19 years. I have been coaching and mentoring. I have I did my degree 21 years ago, did my master's. 19 years ago um so I know what it takes for South Asian women so if, if you, and because I've been in the corporate world if someone comes to me and says Rapinda I, I want to get into the C-suite I want to be a director well I know what it takes to get there if, or if you are so Kieran's a teacher if she like we know what it takes to get women to those roles and and some it's it's confidence it's visibility it's personal branding it's pre presentation and what we do in Inspire Club is focus on all of that so we give you the opportunities like to to come and talk with an Inspire Club we give you the tools what I didn't want to do with what we're doing with AWMB it couldn't be just another inspirational platform that was posting uplifting quotes but what what about so you know when you post up and say yeah. be confident well how how <laughs> yeah. do I be what are the steps involved if I'm here how do I get here well I have a degree in psychology I can tell you I can show you I can tell you what the research says what others have done what works for me to get you from here to here so I set the agenda we we do six themes throughout the year but then we just do like in-person events and we try to keep everything in keeping with our our values around adventure around joy life is difficult enough especially the last two and a half years like we don't want, we don't want AWMB and what we're doing to be difficult we want to come together we want to have fun we want it to be uplifting we want to do stuff like we want to do stuff that's outdoors so we do stuff like we have we go for hikes we do um the color run um we 20 of us went to see alicia keys in concert and um, i try to do things that are going to encourage women to step out of themselves and embrace um their confidence and do stuff that they wouldn't normally do i think one of the hardest skills to have is that bit of self-reflection so i can't, i wanted to kind of ask this question earlier on and then um may may dwell, dwell on it on a different angle when we get to the kind of kilimanjaro bit but from from where you where you are now as women um in this section and this moment in time what one piece of advice would you have given yourself as when you kind of ripping it you're slightly different because you you've built it but when you started to when you joined and started to feel more empowered god i wish i'd done it sooner i wish there was somebody around sooner because here's the thing me wanting to do it sooner that's all fine but where was I going to find that person? And had I I stumbled across Benji on, you know, some weird algorithm meant I found her on, in, on Instagram. Actually, it wasn't a weird algorithm. It was meant to be. This was meant to happen. That's why I found her. And for me, I, I'm just so grateful because I don't think there's any aspect of my life that I can't say hasn't evolved, hasn't developed. Um because of me being part of this, this call it empowerment group, whatever you want to call it, but it's helped me develop so much and come out of like the stupid little shell that I was in because I'm from a really small town in Gravesend where don't be seen, hide, ball and Annie Heger, like, and I got married and I 
just became that shadow as well. Just, just you know, stay in the shadows. And actually, that's not who we're supposed to be because we're just living a life. Um, so, I'm, yeah, I, it's, yeah, there's just so much to say, Hannah. Yeah, no, I get, I get it. I get it because it's, it's, it's like to do it sooner. It's, it's easier said than done as well, isn't it? It's just that, you know, at the end of the day, it was, it was meant to be at that time to go to, it depends what your philosophy is, isn't it? It's like, that's your hook and that's the way it was going to be and, and to get to that point. But then what about yourself? Was it, you know, that one bit of advice that you would have given yourself? Not to lose yourself, really. I think because life happens. Um, I got married and then um, responsibilities took took over and just life started to happen. And I actually forgot who I was, um, what I liked, what I enjoyed. Um, all of it kind of disappeared as years went on. And then when I became a mom, I literally, I, you could have told, you could have asked me, oh, what's your favourite colour? What do you enjoy doing? What film? I literally would not really have an answer for anything because everything was just about everybody else and nothing really became about me anymore till obviously um, Rapinda and her Asian women being business. Um, yeah, that just brought it all back out. And actually, yeah, who am I? I was asking all these questions and I didn't know the answers. So, yeah, it's just to not forget who you are. What what were the, in terms of the, the, the challenges to kind of break through this, what was some of the challenges, like the stigmas that were around to kind of break through and how did you break through it? Because you, you've got your 19 years of experience to do that. You've set this successful kind of group in, and then you're, you're out in the, you've got your pathway there. What were the obstacles that you had to navigate through? Um, so I, I think even with me, it was, it was self-belief and self-doubt in terms of, I'm like this, but are there is there an are others like this? Is there is there enough interest in self growth, self development? Um, because what was happening, Ricky? I go to so because of my background, I was going to conferences, I was going to events, I was going to networking events. I just never saw women like me, never saw them. And so I remember one year I went to this massive conference. There were like seven hundred people there. There was three brown women there, like. And, and and that's in the audience never mind speaking like it just wasn't happening and so so one of the things I always talk about is what we what we're doing within AWMB Inspire Club is I just want to build the our women's confidence to such an extent they go to these events I want them to go to networking events I want them to go to conferences I want them to next time there's an opportunity at work or with their business that they pick their hand up and they volunteer and say yes I'll do that because I wasn't seeing enough of that but here's the thing we have to create those safe spaces especially for all of our community but especially for the women in our community because what's happening with the women in our community is we're being shut down at home but, you know, if you've had the kind of a background that we've had, which is you, you know, you listen to your parents, you listen to your dad, you listen to the community. It's all about what everyone else will say. You forget who you are and then you get married and then it, 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 the pattern repeats itself. So you're shut down at home. And then when you when you go out to work, you're shut down at work. So where do we have these spaces where we get to talk about? The stuff that we're going through where do we when we get to talk about actually you know what there's a promotion coming up I really want to go for it who can help me well we can help you or I really wanted to I want to start this side hustle how can I make that happen we have so many women doing that so when you see other women doing it you think oh yeah I can do it too so my thing was though was can I do it is there enough is there an, enough of an appetite to do it but I always just think if you lead with integrity and authenticity so everything I do is about 
oh, I think I'd like this. But, you know, that's how the Kilimanjaro trip came about. Mm. That's how everything. So I just think if I can lead with that, whoever is meant to be on the journey with me will be attracted and will, will, will you know, find their way to me as well. Um, and I just think, I mean, more recently, I think in terms of any obstacles that have come up is the same thing that all of us have in this space. So we get a lot of copycats. There's probably so many other similar... similar is, that, is that... Do you see that as a... Okay, let's be honest, okay? Do you see it as like, oh, it's it's a challenge or do you just get... Do you just get bitter about it? Come on, because look, it, even though you, we, can, we can say it, you're like, what the fuck are they doing, man? you like, because oh, I'll give you my example, okay? I'll give you my example. So I was, as I said, I was working in addictions field and it took me bloody ages to get to this qualified, qualified sit on the table and trying to represent South Asian community. And then there was this group that came on who just kept, was so vocal on, on, um, um social media had absolutely nothing there was just nothing professional about them and then all of a sudden they're sitting on the same table as me and my the commissioners and workers were listening to them and they were just talking absolute nonsense and i was like there's so much damage that can be done because it's it's not being done in the right way Do you, so and i always have that that thing that you've got to be very careful with your words because if you the wrong sort of sequence of words now can get you cancelled can get your organization cancelled people who you associate with cancelled it can you know it's such a risky time do you i've kind of calmed down now in that bit where i'm like i think as you become a parent you kind of let it go a little bit and say that's their life and do it is there anything what i've said in that story that kind of resonates with when you see copycats there's only one rapinder <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, here's the thing. I think, um, firstly, I know what you said resonates. I'll tell you what really worries me. Um, I actually don't like using the word coach and because I think there's a, it's a really heavy loaded word. And the fact yeah. is the coaching industry is not regulated, unlike therapy, unlike psychotherapy. Um, so anyone, anyone can set up themselves up as a coach. And we definitely had this thing where lots of women were calling themselves coaches. And I was just like, like you, I just, it concerns me because of the credibility and mm. and the damage, the damage they can do if you're not qualified, if you're not certified. Um, but as Kieran said, there's no one that I can say this with absolute clarity and conviction and confidence. There is no one else, no other South Asian woman who is doing what I'm doing that has my level of knowledge, my qualifications, my credibility, no one. So here's the thing, AWMB and Inspire Club, we are the Royals Royce. We have, I have invested so much money in the infrastructure, in the membership, in the everything, in myself. I invest in myself, in my coaching. I have only ever gone to the, the very best coaches and mentors out there um, and I, take that learning, I come back to my community and we share it, we talk about it and I dissect it. I don't think there's anyone that can compare and touch what AWMB is doing. Um, and I say that with the humility and with the hand of Guru Nanak Dev Ji, because this is all of this is Guru Sahib's blessing. I literally, and the late, these ladies know this, I look around sometimes. We had our, um, you know, we had our big Inspire Fest event. We had 150 women 
Uh, no, we had 130 women and 20 younger girls because I wanted our daughters to be in a room of powerful South Asian women and to be able to say to themselves, actually, if I want to be a mechanic, if I want to own a garage, I can do that. If I want to be an artist, I can do that. If I want to be a spoken word um, creative, I can do that. If I want to be a lawyer, if I want to be a doctor, if I want to, we can do anything, right? So we had 150 women and at this in this room. And we had Breet Jundi there was our, was our guest speaker. We had Dulcy there. Was our guest. We had the most phenomenal speakers. All of our suppliers were South Asian women. I looked around and I just thought, how is this even possible? Like, how is this possible? Um, and it's possible because we have the most incredible group of women. And so, yeah, our women go to, you know, women join different networks. They joined, and they, but they always come back. They always come back and tell me and... Um, so where I'm at at the moment is I think it's really important to stay in your lane. I think when I when I when we watch athletes, so when you're watching like someone like you know Mohammed Farah or Usain Bolt, when they're getting ready and they're getting geared up for their race, they're not looking around. They're not looking to see. They're like eyes on the prize. They're going for it because they they they're in their lane. They know they're the best. So what what do they have to worry about? So I feel very similar to that. Like I'm so confident in what I do in. Our Inspire Club, we have over 70, nearly 80 testimonials online of current members. If someone chooses to leave our community, they go with our blessings, but we take down their words. And that's integrity, because I never want anyone to join my community and say, oh, you know, for example, I read the words of Kiran, and then I've joined the community and Kiran's not there anymore. I never want to have any of that coming back to me. So our results speak for themselves. Our, our community speaks for themselves. And that means that I've got, I don't need to worry about what other people mm. are doing. Okay. There you go. Start oh, that, Ricky. Any more questions? No, I was about, I'm about to sign up myself and then I have to take a minute. I'm like, what the? What's going on? I'm like, okay. Okay, right. Ricky, that's how we feel. Yeah, that's no, how we feel. Look, that's the inspiration. That's the level of, you know, pump. I always use the word like Amy gets in a sukkah pump and other, but that's how pumped we are after being in that environment around that that many women and we just think to ourselves, yeah, we can do it. Oh, you know, Ricky, I, I fundamentally believe there's not there's nothing, none of these women can come to me and say, Rapinder, I want to do this. And I like I would never say that's not possible. And what I always say is we live in a world where rocket ships are being built to go to Mars, right? We live in a world where anything is, is possible. There's nothing, none of the, no one can come to me and say, I wanna do, there's always going to be a way that we as a community, as a group of women can find the way for that person to move forward and whatever that is, whether that's business, whether that's politics, whether that's their career, whether they wanna write a book, whether they wanna launch, whatever it is, we will make that happen because I believe that anything is possible. So when you have that, and when you have this army of women, like it, it, it all of it is is possible. Just here, take my money. Please. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be really interested now in the Belinda cynicism on the next bit. Okay, so this is where this is because I I'm kind of I'm like a little bit like that. Um, um. Okay, so how did the idea? of Kilimanjaro come about and then I want to know Belinda's first thoughts <laughs> so um okay so I'll tell you how it came about 20 years ago when I graduated university I wanted to go to Africa I wanted to go and climb Mount Kilimanjaro 
you know, in my soul, and Belinda and um, Kieran have both, this is true for everyone, but this is very, very much true for women. In our soul, we know what we want to do. We have dreams, we have aspirations. But the minute you whisper that to others, it's about how that's going to be received. And is that going to be supported or is it going to be shut down? 20 years ago, so I'm from inner city Wolverhampton. 20 years ago, I could not have gone to my very busy immigrant parents. You know, I'm the first British born in my family and said, I want to go to Africa to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. Like my dad, my dad wouldn't even allow me to go on those school trips where you used to go in residential. <laughs> he would not yeah. have a, he would have been like, that's not happening, love. I, yeah, so just on, I, I didn't. Yeah, I just on that. I just, my, my daughter just went on a, on a, on a residential trip for a couple of, couple of days. And um, the, the, the only thing that was going in my head, oh, is she, is she, is she warm? Is she, you know, it was, I just turned into like my BB when I used to come back from clubbing. I used to get, <laughs> I used to come back at clubbing at, at half, at half 12. I used to be the first one out of the lads to come home and she'd be waiting up. She we used to all be in the same like room and it's, she used to have it, but we used to be on like a bunk bed. And she goes, Ricky to Agia. And I was like, yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes, oh, we're uh, ten horses and the whole You know, all this. And you're like, oh. And now we've got a digital bibi now with the ring. So every time you see ring, you know, I, I get, I get, I get notifications. Oh, so what time did you come home? Like, oh, about oh, half 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> and then you've got a digital bibi saying, no, nope, this is what time you come back. <laughs> all the notifications. So you know what I mean? I, I, I get, I get what you mean. I know that environment a hundred percent. Where like you got the vision, you know what you want to do, but you're kind of in a loving way. I would say kind of like restricted in some aspects. Yeah, and I, there was no one around me that was doing it. There was no one around me that would have wanted to have done it. So I just left it. And then I did my master's, did my career. I met my husband when I was 23. We got married when I was 25. We, we bought our house when we were 26. I, like, I was 26. And that was it. Like, your career takes off. You have kids. And literally, it was a few years ago. Um, so I turned 40 last year. So a few years before, I think I was 38. And I, I just was like... I'm going to be 40 and I, I wanted to do this and I never did it. And here's where I would just say, I give kudos to my husband because he said to me, he, said, he was like, Rapinda, you know, I, if you're waiting for me, I'm never going to want to do it. And I think that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for us to do it together. He was like, I don't want to do it. I have no interest in going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. If you want to do it, you need to do it. And so I just thought, right, I need to do it then. And so I, I had booked by myself to join a, another group. Like, you know, you can book in to join these groups. And I was going to do it in um, 2019. And then 2021 is when I turned 40. So I wanted to do it in 2020. Uh, and obviously the pandemic happened. All of that stuff got cancelled. Uh, but here's what I would say. If you've got a dream, even if it's been postponed, you have to talk about it. So I was just talking about it. So I was telling the ladies, I was like, oh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be 40 and I've booked Kilimanjaro. It's been postponed. Um, and then slowly but surely... Like these women started whispering back and they were like, what, can we come? Like, are you doing? And actually Belinda said something to me and it always stayed with me because she said to me, are you, and then you can hear, I hear her. So she said, are you doing this to get away from us or, or can we, can others come? And I was like, oh, actually, I don't know. I was like, yeah, others can come. Um, and then when I realized that there were more women that wanted to do it, I just thought, right, this is a really great opportunity. Like, why, should, why can't we go as a group? Why can't we do it as a dedicated group? And 
And so I found a travel provider. They specialize in adventure holidays for, for women. And we went through them because that was really important. It was important that we went with someone who was established. It was safe, you know, all of this stuff. And I was shocked. I was shocked at the women that booked on. I was shocked at the women that said they wanted to do it. But, I mean, ask ask Kieran and Belinda what their thoughts were and why they did it. Belinda, oh, please, was there some cynicism? Because if somebody floated that kind of idea, you're like, what are you doing? Well, it- to be honest, I was a bit of a hippie um, back in my youth. So I'd love walking, trekking. Like, I didn't want to have a driving license. I was like, no, <laughs> I don't need it. I can just, um, yeah, I, I used to walk loads. So that's what, what I meant when I said you kind of lose yourself and you forget who you were. Yeah. So, um, yeah, she mentioned it. And then um, I know she liked to have time on her own as well. That's why I said to her, I was like, oh, is it something you want to do on your own? But yeah, um, when she called me, I wasn't actually in a position to even be able to um, even think that I could do such a such a trip. So yeah, she she told me and I was like, well, no, COVID had just happened and financially there was no way I could do it. And um, yeah, she just rang me up and said, can I have your um, passport number? I don't know if you rang me or if you text. And, <laughs> or de- um, she booked me. And then she'd booked it for me. <laughs> She's like, well, just, and I wasn't in good health either. So she was like, listen, you work on your health, sort yourself out. I want to do this for you. And literally that, I think, just set the set the foundations for the whole trip because it, this is someone who's not making her own. So making your own dreams come true, that's fine. You can all do that, yeah, and be capable of doing that. But to make someone else's dream come true is just something else. And this is what she did for me. So, um, sorry. Yeah. No, so no, yeah, I, think, I, like, I think what you've said is so rare and you know it's kudos to you as well is to make somebody else's that is that is got to say well as well and that is the well it's not very yes. good for now because well, I was gonna I was gonna say I kind of stopped halfway through I thought hang on a second this, <laughs> this, this, this is a big compliment yeah anyway you get what I mean in, in some ways to, to to provide that opportunity to somebody else's it's so rare and to do that is, is is fantastic and um i think it's something that everyone could take take away um yeah i i did that i have to tell you that my husband did say to me when when everyone booked on so this trip was booked fully booked within like 10 days or something maybe even wow. less than that so how many how many of you were at that at that point 14 14 of us wow. um uh, 15 actually then uh someone couldn't make it due to ill health but my husband actually said to me he was like he said I thought you were crazy but he said the fact that you've got 14 other women that are as crazy as you he was like I don't I don't get what's happening here but I tell you what happened because we booked on and because people saw the lady saw who was booking on they they just thought hold on I've got a husband I've got kids but Rapinda's doing it Belinda's doing it Kieran's doing it if they're doing it and they're having those conversations with their in-laws and their husbands I need to go and have that conversation with because I want to do this. And that's what happens. That's what I'm saying. Like when one of us does something, we, we, we take others with us on the journey as well and give them permission to do it. You know, with yourself, what was it? What was your kind of first reaction? To, was it something that you wanted to just jump on straight away or was it? Should, should I you're not you talking what? about like a walk in the park. This is like one of the oh, biggest I, peaks of the world. Yeah. And, and shall I tell you what? The, so this year it was, and I know I. Sorry, I'm so sorry. I'm so morbid. I keep talking about death. No, it's but it was fine. ten years to my dad passing away, and we've raised so much money for British Heart Foundation. I thought, how can I keep? It's ten years is such a huge, momentous, like 
he's been out of my life for 10 years. How do I keep him alive? And I realized that this came and I was still in like Jakarta. And that's when I just thought, this is it. This is for, this is for Jogaseng. Uh, even it, my certificate is my dad's name. It's Jogaseng. It's not on my name. But can I just tell you something really funny, even before that? Don't I know Bendy just said that, you know, we were talking to our in-laws. Actually, I actually didn't tell my in-laws. And worse than that, I didn't even tell my mum. Because I knew that their reaction would be, yeah. and <laughs> no, no, but no, you're laughing. But I, didn't no, I, I didn't tell him for six months. They didn't know for six months. They're going to know. Well, they're not going to hear this um, podcast, so that doesn't matter. You know? But, <laughs> no, but they look, they don't. My mum can just about she sits on YouTube, so unless you're gonna post it on YouTube. I'm gonna You know the bit that I'm clipping. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, can I tell you something funny though? I saw it all and I like I whispered the idea to my husband and he was like, There are the Markabia and I was like, Well maybe. Um and I left it there and I said to him, oh, it's this much money. He was like, yeah, do what you want. And and that was it. And I was like, hey, gosh, Gerni. Like, I was expecting a bit of a, no, you can't go. It's too much money. And then later on, like, once we put the kids down, he come upstairs. And I was like, Rav, it's this. Um, and I sat with it for ages. I was like, why can't I book it? Like, why can't I book it? Um, and then I was, I was still saying to Rav, like, what do you think? And he goes, do you need my permission? And you know what? That in them words, I realised I needed permission. I'm like, I was just shocked. I was like 38 at the time. I needed permission from another adult who's only a few years older than me to say, yes, you're allowed to do it. And yes, you're allowed to spend the money you are earning. Yes. And I was like, what the, like, like mind blown. What is going on here? I'm a buddy licky like I'm a professional yeah I'm seeking permission from different people for my life mm. and I was just like this is crazy surely I can make this decision for myself um and that's when Rav said to me he goes you know you don't need permission if you want to do it do it I wouldn't ask you permission if I wanted to do something mm. and I was like huh like <laughs> can this, we are we self, allowed to do this the self-prison just went when I... I was just like, and at that point, like, I think just a little bit after that, I joined the book club. And in the book club, we were reading about, you know, how we can cage ourselves. And, you know, like, and I was like, no, I've got, I need to be a cheater. I need to be a cheater. Um, as, an animal, as an animal cheater. <laughs> yeah, that's the one, Deirdre. And I think in, and in that, I realised that, Here's me saying I've been in this coaching group. I've, I'm, you know, I'm really working on myself. But in them few hours, I realised I'm still a bit of a prisoner of my own thoughts and my my conditioning of how I've been brought up. That I really struggled with giving, seek it firstly, finding permission, then making a decision for myself because it felt so big and it felt like such a huge sum of money because. In my head, I kept thinking, but I could spend it, or we could all go on a family, on a really lush family holiday, and we could do this, or I could do this, or, you know, and I just kept thinking, like, gosh, like, grow up. Is is that a common theme, that when you when you guys get together, that 
the image of respect is turning turned into conditioning into that self-imprisonment because like it 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 feels like that was the the turning point of where your husband just saying one line saying why do you need my permission but it was you saying that you were living with your in-laws it was the respect and trying to do that and then but it it ended up being the conditioning of that where you weren't able to express your 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 kind of your want and need no I actually didn't know I didn't realize I, I thought like that Mickey mm. I, I didn't I was so blinded by living the way I live so I, we, we could call it conditioning whatever you want to say but I was completely um I, I was in that moment I was just shocked that this is what I needed in order for me to move forward but and again like I turned 40 in like a couple of months and I know that there's still more change to come because actually learning never stops and I think the understanding that this journey is just going to help you keep on growing I don't want to stop growing I don't want to I don't want to be like stationary where I was 10 odd years ago I'm so ready to just carry on learning mm -hmm. and, wow. and I'm sure there's still so much more learning still to do but that that just booking this trip in itself was like a, a real you know like uh here's the key to cut the shackles which I didn't even know I needed so logistically, there's 14, 15 of you at the time going like all signed up to done to do logistic. How do you coordinate something like that? Because like even that's going to be a big a bit of a headache. Yeah, because you can't go <laughs> down to like Semitic High Street and say go to South Old <laughs> Oh, I don't know. And say, listen, can you book? Yeah, the Yatra trip. You know, have Barrett coaches go straight there. You know what I mean? How does that? How does that work? So, so we use a travel provider. They did all that. All the okay. And we had a travel agent who took care of, took care of the flights. Um, but what I was just saying, what I what I was referring to was that we had, we had to train for this. Like we couldn't, and we were all at different fitness levels. And some of us, like Blinda, used to be really fit, but lost some of that fitness. And um, Kieran works out; she's a, a machine. Like she's savage the way she works out. And um, <laughs> We're all at different levels and also um you know it's not just about the hiking and the climbing the fact is you're sleeping on this mountain in a camp using portaloos for a week and let's be honest brown girls don't brown women don't go out camping like who you know, we don't grow, we're not growing up going camping so in this group only i think it was just me and belinda that had been camping and we only did one night away and, and Belinda's already the precious here, free spirit, yeah. So she's been. Like, <laughs> I'm guessing that she's had before. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers. Hey, Hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you were really comfortable out there. <laughs> but, but so we did a we had, to, we had to do a camping weekend. We had to like so really like put some key dates in our diary and and that was on us. Like, are we gonna do it? Are we and but it was brilliant because what it meant was we we 
trained together as a as a group of women for nearly a year before we went where where did you go because that was the difficulty through covid um, i mean it's still covid restrictions like no we were just coming out then coming out of it so where would you go to go and train around malvern hills or anything like that um so most of it was for those of us in the southeast was around surrey surrey hills um and yeah just literally wherever we we found a really great uh company here in Surrey that were doing treks and and they were hiring equipment and he Mick had done Kilimanjaro about 10 years ago so he really helped us um how much of that training came in handy when we were up on there on the mountain I'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) yeah we but we still had to like you and you here's the thing especially during COVID all of us were used to just sitting on our you know doing this sitting on zoom mm-hmm. calls and stuff so walking having to walk for hours and hours building up your that conditioning in your leg is is something else it really is so you you guys were fundraising at the same time weren't you uh, and that what was the what was uh, around that in terms of the, the story around it so what came to light was that when we booked the trip, um, Alison, who runs the, the travel adventure company, said to me, she said, you know, I've never had an all South Asian female group do this. And she said, I think you're the first all South Asian female group to go and climb Mount Kilimanjaro. I was like, nah, I can't be. Like, there's so many women. Like, we know so my mother-in-law, my sister-in-law have done it. We know so many women from our community that individually have, have done it. Um, but when I looked into it, it was she was right. There's never been an all South Asian female group of women that have gone to climb Mount Kilimanjaro. And as soon as we heard that, and as soon as we started talking about that, everyone's just the feedback was, what are you doing about it? How are you going to document it? You know, and I was like, oh, we'll just do, I'll, I'll come back and write a blog. <laughs> we'll take photos. <laughs> we'll do something, right? And then at the same time, actually, around the time we were training, Preet Jundi, and she she's just gone back out to Antarctica. She had just finished her the other the, her half um, Antarctic climb, and everyone just kept saying, "Wouldn't it have been amazing if she had had a film crew follow her? Wouldn't it have been amazing if we had got to see this?" And at the and at the same time, Nims die. So fourteen peaks had just come out and had smashed it wow. on Netflix. So we were watching that, and we were watching that, and he's brilliant. And we were like, "Wouldn't it have been amazing if we could have seen women that look like us doing it?" So the seed was planted and um, we were coerced into, and I've got to be honest, I don't know if we would have done it otherwise, but so many women around us were saying, look, we really think you should do, think about this and think about how you're going to document it. Um, and so we reached out to a filmmaker. We reached out to Remmuth, who did Remmuth Riot, who did Toxification. She thought it was an amazing idea. She was on board with it. And the... The seed was planted like, yeah, let's go and let's take a film crew with us. But here's the thing. And, you know, Kieran said it earlier. Each of the women that came to Kilimanjaro paid for themselves. We self-funded this trip. No one like, you know, it wasn't anyone else that paid for us. And it cost us £7,000 thereabouts. So when this idea was shared with us, it was like, well, where is this money going to come from? Like we put pulled together a budget. We spoke to industry specialists. They said, look, you and the, even that was crazy because people were like, you will not do a documentary for less than like, Two hundred fifty thousand pounds, or this, or that. We were like, "What the hell?" Like, we don't have that money. Mm. But eventually, with Remma and with others, we were able to come up, come up with a budget, which at the time was ninety thousand pounds, and that was like a really conservative budget. And so, 
the budget was presented to me and I was like, right, well, where's this money coming from? Because we've all paid and we have stretched ourselves and we've made compromises and sacrifices within our families and of our, our own. Like some of us didn't go on a family holiday because we just did Kilimanjaro, right? But what here's the thing, here's the community, our community, so the AWMB community, these women were like, we've got you. You need to do this. We are going to support the fundraiser. We are going to support the documentary because the documentary in the film isn't just about us. It's about the collective us. It's about all brown women. So they get, they got behind us. And so with that, and with that reassurance of we've got you, go and do it. We launched the, the fundraiser. We lo- launched the GoFundMe. Um, and yeah, we watched that escalate. And I think maybe that's probably where some of the stuff that you saw as well. Yeah, that was the, that was the first bit that I saw. Because then... Yeah. Um, and it's a hard thing, you know, like to ask... First of all, to ask for money is always really hard. Um, I've never had to do that. I built AWMB, taking no sponsorship, no investment. Everything that came in went back into the business. We are the type of people that we're giving. Like we we take our this one out. We give to other courses. To then have to turn that on its head and ask for money and ask for money for something that's out there. It's a film. It's a documentary. Um, is it's an it's a battle. It's trying to make people understand that and. And then, so yeah, there were some comments and feedback about that as well. But on the whole, you know, what, like, do, you, what do you mean comments were so you like? Is it the kind of typical kind of reaction where those other people were like jealous and started to say, "Oh, it's a scam. It's this, that, and the other." The usual yeah. kind of um... yeah. I just think I think there was the feedback was you know why are you asking for so much money? Why you know um, wouldn't it have been better for this to go to a charity? Wouldn't it have been better to do this? Wouldn't it? And my view was always people have a choice. They have a choice where they want to give their money. They have a choice whether you want to give it to charity. You have a choice whether you want to sponsor. You have a choice. Like everyone has a choice what they want to do with it. Um, I think there was some envy. I think there was some, just some, you know, like that thing that we do in our community, that that pulling people's legs down, like who the, who are they? What are they? Why are they doing this? There was also gen- a genuine feeling of other people, other groups had done this and maybe they hadn't done it. And I think they felt like maybe they had missed the boat and like, oh, like, and I think there was a particular, one particular group that had tried to launch a GoFundMe for the same thing and it didn't work. Okay. So I think there was definitely jealousy. I think there was definitely envy. Um, and it's, I think people can just be really quite bitter when other people are doing really quite well as well. So, but so I think also, can we just add here yeah. that, that all four of us here, all four of us are parents to be to daughters. And actually I, but us three in, in in Inspire, we can really collectively say that our little girls have seen this, have been driven by this, and they're going around saying, "Well, do you know what? We're get, if our mums have done this, we're going to go ahead and do this." And actually, that's the catalyst, that's the driver of this project. That we're, I was too scared to ask my husband for money to go and do this. Yet my daughter saying, Jalkoina Mum, we're gonna go and we're gonna go and do Splanatamkana. And actually that's what we want for them, for them to grow and say, actually, you've done this, we're gonna go ten steps ahead. And that's what we want, not for for them to sit and think, Oh, it's so nice such as such as doing this. So this yeah. is this has got to be a catalyst and a driver for our little girls because they need to see that people that look like them, look like their mums, their masis, their bibian are actually doing something that 20 years down the line will be normal for them and not 
South Asian women first time doing something like this? Bit of a strange question this one I'm going to ask. What was the... Do you remember the night before you were you were going out? What was that like? Was there any... Because, like, everyone's kind of free to kind of change their mind. Was it kind of the second thoughts and there was the nervousness kicking in at that point? Are you thinking, I can't back out now? Oh, I don't I want to back out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Ricky, <laughs> No, I, I thought it was going to be a girls' holiday. Didn't realize I think for all of us, we were <laughs> so excited you know, because we'd been fundraising so much. Yeah, that had almost taken over the trip itself and the adventure itself. And I, I speak for all of us: fundraising is it depletes you, it's draining, and it can be quite consuming. Um, so we'd been involved in this like. And all of a sudden it hits you like, damn, we're going to be going tomorrow. Um, and all of a sudden, like you have waves of emotion where you feel and all and, and my kids, like I love them to bits. And I was so excited to be leaving them for two weeks. And on that moment, I was just like, oh, man, what a crap mum! I can't leave, believe I'm leaving them for two mm. weeks. Like, all these like really intrusive thoughts start coming into your mind. Um but I knew, like, I remember my mum said to me, like, the night before, um, you know, and that stayed in my head that I've got to be so positive and let the kids see that I'm so, I didn't want them to see, like, a mm-hmm. crying, blabbering mum. I wanted them, so I was like, as soon as we went round, I was like, ah! <laughs> On the floor, tapping, looking up, why, 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 Okay, so this is the bit where I kind of hand over in some ways. I want you guys to kind of take me through when you on the flight you land and your 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 first sort of day of where you're where you're looking at the challenge in front of you. So I'm the I'm gonna open it. Go on, Kira, you go. Go, on. Belinda, you go for it. Go on. So when we landed, I like I said, Kira, I was a bit opposite to Kieran, really. I didn't feel bad. I was excited. I'm just gonna be honest. I didn't feel bad because I've never really done anything like I'm back at home, back walking again. (laughs) No, I just yeah, I was just so excited. I thought they can have fun with their family and um yeah, they've got got their nanny, nana, their dad, everyone like, yeah, they're gonna have their jollies and I'm going on this girl's holiday. Little did I know though, it wasn't a holiday. (laughs) You'll find out later. But yeah, I was excited, man. It was like, yeah, it was gonna be, it was gonna be epic. And I was like, yeah, it was gonna be like a holiday. And yeah, everyone was buzzing. And yeah, I think everyone was just so excited because it's been so long, like with the training and the momentum. And yeah, I think everyone was just on cloud nine. There was a bit of like, obviously, the bit of nervousness, but I didn't do any research. So literally, I turned up thinking wow. it was not going to be nowhere as hard as it was. So I would, I don't know whether I would have um, <laughs> gone for it if I knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, um, I think we were all buzzing. I think everybody would agree. So how long is it the actual trek itself to to the to the summit and then back down? Twenty years. <laughs> nine days. Feels <laughs> like twenty years was nine days. Nine days. <laughs> up and down. Seven up, two down with it. Is that right? Yeah. So is that yeah. kind of acclimatized to the kind yeah. of oxygen? Okay. All right. Okay. So, okay. I want to ask some of the silly questions, right? Because this is in my head when I would like to travel. I just, I just turned forty, so we went on holiday. Um, but the one thing that I didn't want to ask the question that like, is it was there any snakes and stuff around? Did you see any of that those kind that kind of wildlife? Yeah, 
No. No, so I'm a celebrity getting me out of here. Although it did feel like that at points. It was uh, biting ants. Oh, yes, there were ants. There were these terrible ants that bit the ankles and there were monkeys and... and the so thing. Yeah. So the what? There's what? There's what? Say that again? <laughs> well, remember, that they looked like... They, they were cuter than rats because they looked a bit like budgies. But, yeah, like little... With wings. Little, Budgies, <laughs> flying rat. I've got flying rat. <laughs> I don't know so where good? she was. She, <laughs> was like, she was clearly. Remember when we went <laughs> to the toilets? We saw them walking around. The birds. No, oh, the, no, the, I the know. little mousey things. Yeah, you're right. No, that you're right. They were like an aardvark, almost like with okay. A nose. Okay, okay. So we've got odd. Okay, I can work with that. So there probably was snakes, and there was lots of them. Um, Gelnia. Okay, that's like the bend anyway, so that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you, we're comfortable with that. Okay. I'm just thinking, like, conditioning myself. I was like, so you go on there. What was there any? What, what was the first kind of challenge that came up? Was it? Was it? Um, um, okay, so there's a laugh. That's a good sign. No, so look, look, here's the thing, right? And and I think it's really important that we're honest about this. So everyone that we spoke to that did it was like, you're going to love it. It's brilliant. You're going to have the best time. It's like, you guys have got this. Da, 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 da. So we knew, obviously we knew it's, some of it's going to be a bit challenging, but we thought that was going to come out, come like later in the journey, like when you're tired and you Yeah, leave. of course. But the reason I was laughing was because literally you've got to walk up at this, um, to get to the gate, to, to get, to start the hike. And then you start the hike, and literally we were half an hour into it. We were, like, <laughs> <laughs> we were like, I think we just all looked at each other. We're like, we haven't even got off the tarmac. Like, it was <laughs> <on> the tarmac. <laughs> and you look, you're looking at each other, and there's the, the cameras on you, and they say, "God, no better." You go, <laughs> and then, and then day one was the rainforest. But it really hit us, Ricky. We were like, oh my God, this is hard. This is was hard. it heat? Was it heat or was it just because yeah, it... It was warm and it was humid and, and the was... amount of stuff you're carrying? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So, it, so yeah, we got you've got your big packs on and you've got your layers on. And um, so yeah, we definitely found it. And I think that's why we want to be really honest. It was definitely more challenging than we thought yeah. it would be. Um and that and that was immediate. It wasn't like Later on in the journey, it was straight away. We were like, "Right, this is going to be this is going to be tougher than we thought it was going to be." Because it's mean, dark, really... wasn't it, when we got to camp? Well, I think I was one of the last ones, and I was badly. I thought, "Oh my god, how I'm going to do the next day." <laughs> <laughs> so, it was dark. It was dark every night. We got to the camp. Let's yeah, go it was dark every <laughs> night. And so, what was it? What was like? What was the facilities like? Was it all? It was five star Ricky. Yeah, there was like a concierge there. No, I can get the level of I can get the level of uh, you know sarcasm. I get it. I get it. So, so there was, was like, like there was like little black huts, Hannah. Yeah. The, um, like not very tall, like yeah. small black, and in them is like like a like you know um like a training potty. A portaloo. Yeah. But it looked like a potty, and I was just like, oh my god. And then they teach you, um, and it's funny, I've been, watch, I've been watching a lot of um, YouTube, and... Um, I don't want to see your search engine. <laughs> <laughs> How to use a toilet. Yes. To go for a wee, 
you are about to send an email and to go for a number two, you send an attachment. And that's how they talk about it. So they say if you're sending code words, email, just in case yeah, you're thinking what you're talking if about. <laughs> you're sending an email, this is how to this is how to do it. But if you're sending an attachment, this is what you need to do. And <laughs> so we and obviously you've got to wear your um headlight because it's pitch black. Um and you're wearing about 10 layers, so you're going to get yeah, all your layers. Oh, and, and it's, yeah. it's really not, and you're, you kind of experience a bit of vertigo because, like, the floor's really, like, not level. And it um, stinks. Yeah, yeah, the smell <laughs> is not very nice. Is that from the um, attachment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is from the attachment. Um, and then you get to this stage where you almost become quite attuned to that smell it becomes quite normal mm. and uh, you know it's really funny for nine days like as soon as we come back into civilization you'd think we went i remember going into the toilet hotel and just rubbing my hands like so then <laughs> because i was like huh? they were so dirty and we were eating with these hands stop making that face ricky ain't nice no, I'm just like, <laughs> no, I get it because it's like there's risks of like hep A, especially with um, yeah, you know, with hygiene and stuff like that. And I and it is one of the arguments that they say in the health that we are a bit too clean because we and we're more susceptible for it, and and our immune system don't go. So I get I get what you mean. I was just trying to envisage like myself actually doing that because I I do exactly the same. So, yeah, so you're hiking during the day. And you're so if, if you need to go to the bathroom, you're literally going to the bathroom on the mountain. With it's the called spectator. rock business, rock yeah, business. Just go behind the rock. <laughs> but everyone's very respectful and mindful. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then in the by the evening when you get to camp, they've set up the camp tents for you. So everyone had a tent buddy. That we had like a little mattress, but we had. They brought our stuff up, but we had to unpack our sleeping bags. We had to get our sleeping bags sorted, get changed. And then you have a separate tent, which is your mess tent. And then they have a kitchen tent. The mess tent is where we all go out, go and eat together. Um, but they had like toilets for us. But you, but yeah, it's no showers. No, no, none of those facilities. You're literally sleeping on the mountain and you're doing that. Like then you, you try to get to some sleep, but it's loud. It's noisy. People are up and you can hear the rustling. You can hear the zips. People are talking. Um, and you get up in the morning and you do it all over again. So a couple of things. What were the temperatures like at night? And a bit of a silly question. What were what were some of the early risks that you're facing? It was freezing every night, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was like minus 15, I think. But the great thing was we um we we had our sleeping bags were amazing. Yeah. We hired like the best quality sleeping bags. We had we had liners. Um, some of us took hot water bottles. Um, so actually, we didn't feel the cold. Hmm. I didn't feel the cold. I felt and cold. I have to say, like, even on, like, when it was minus 30, whatever it was on summit night, yes, it was cold as we were walking. But, like, you know, this is where, like, so much, like, Maraj did so much gerpa on us because, you know, like, you know, Ricky, we talk about miracles. I felt like every moment in that trip, like a miracle occurred. And you know, when we read like um, Sakya, and sometimes we read them Sakya to our kids, like of like Guru Nanak Dev Ji in the boulder, 
um, you know, Sajjan Thug, Pumia Chor, and you listen to it all and you just think, oh, okay. But I think when we were talking to our children, even now afterwards, you know, we I we were Sajjan Thug, you know, some of us were like, we we put a face on of something thinking, yeah, we can do this. I believe in this, you know, Guru Nanak Dev Ji is with us. But actually, when we got there, did we truly realize that Guru Nanak Dev Ji is with us? They have not left us and they have kept their loving hand on each of our heads because I truly believe like even like our porters, our guides, at that point, they are Abdarup. Our lives are in their hands. Mm. When we climbed Barranco Wall, there was nothing stopping us from falling to our death. Okay, so just tell us a bit, a little bit about what that, what that, what, what was it, Branco Wall? So Branco <laughs> Wall is like where it's like a, um, it's a free freestand, uh, uh, like a, um, a scramble, and essentially there's no, there's nothing holding us, um, and we're we're climbing kind of like at points on hands and knees, up this. And, and the guides know which routes to take and how to maneuver. And at one point, I remember thinking like, how the hell are we going to climb this? And from from far back, the people that are climbing it, they look like ants. They look like ants climbing. And we're going up this. And all of a sudden, just when we think like, gosh, this is so difficult. Like Maharaj sends some fresh there. And these, 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 these porters, that we thought were just poor. We didn't realize that they were with our team. You know, all in it, they gave so much pump, like they got so much spirit and they're like picking us up, like dragging us up raggy dolls. And then we find out that they're our kitchen staff. They're our cooks. And they were just trying to run ahead of us so they can set up camp and start cooking. And you know what? Like they gave us so much pump. And I kid you not, when I say like, they were just getting our legs and hands, pushing us up like this. And I was just like, gosh, look how lucky we are. Look at these people and look how Maharaj keeps sending them. It wow. was just, oh, it was phenomenal. Even when I talk about Branco, all my hair stands on end. I just, it was so special. And at that night, at that day, when we got to the tip of Branco wall, at that point, we're standing in the clouds. Above the clouds. Of the clouds. Yeah. <laughs> Your pictures and the the footage is going to be amazing, isn't it? When it when it when it comes, so um, with all the will in the world, like even you spending so much time with each other, did you? Was there any points where it was really where to kind of lift the morale up, or motivation was low, or trying to encourage people to come along? What? How did you kind of sustain that? Is that where your skills came in more and more? Um, at that bit, Ripinder. So we, before we went, we had a conversation and I we had a really candid conversation about how are we going to um, let each other know when we need alone time? Because like to be with a group of women for this amount of time, how are we going to let each other know when we're feeling down? How we, And actually, one of the questions I asked was, what's my role? Like, how do you want me? And you, everyone said, you're just one of us. Like we don't you're not our coach. You're not our leader. You're not this. You're not that. You are just one of us. And so we look towards the guides, but for their expertise. But what I think was amazing was that 
we were all really supporting each other and we were really vested in each other. And this is where I think this trip and doing trips with people who you know is so different. I didn't want to just sum it. I didn't want to just make it myself. I wanted everyone else to make it. And we all felt like that. Like we all, so when, when one of us was feeling low, another one would pick them up and like, like there was a point where, so Kieran had really bad altitude sickness, like really bad. And I remember there was a point when um, we went to Lava Tower and I just remember because she wasn't eating. And I remember seeing Belinda cutting this potato into the tiniest little pieces and literally spoon feeding, like say, because that what the guides had said to us, if you don't eat, your altitude sickness will get worse and you're off the mountain, we're taking you off. We didn't want Kieran to get off the, we didn't want anyone to that to happen. So literally in that moment I was watching, I was watching Belinda, I was like, oh my God, like she's literally feeding. Like, that's the level of sisterhood we had. That's the level of commitment we had to each other. We had done this with a group of 14 strangers I don't know if there, there would have been that. Like, I don't know. I don't think that nobody would have really cared because everyone, you are, everyone is in a state. Let's be honest, yeah. wasn't it? Everyone's like battered. But then to find energy for someone else, really, if they're strangers, I don't think you're, you're no way going to have that kind of, that love and that sisterhood to say, actually, it's not just about me. No, no one, you're not really going to go out your way for someone else when you can just about pull up yourself together, really. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just want to kind of, move it to the feeling of then of reaching the summit is there any way to kind of put it into words what that that was like or is it just too much of an emotion to articulate <laughs> everyone was like zombies i don't know about what you guys but i remember getting to the top and they were like oh look at the sunset well halfway to the to the top i was like I don't really give a shit about the sunset. I feel so, so battered because it is. It's so many hours and they're telling you, you're nearly there, you're nearly there. And literally, the nearly there never kind of comes. To summit Kilimanjaro, you leave. We left at midnight. Okay. And it, you're, you're walking through the night and you're sleepwalking. At some point, you're sleepwalking because yeah. you're walking through the night, right? And bearing in mind, You've had how many nights sleeping on the mountain? You've not slept. You've not had a good night's sleep, so you're exhausted. Um, so by the time we got to summit, it was like eight, nine in the morning. We'd been walking for eight, nine hours. We were exhausted. Like me and Kieran, I was ready to give up. Actually, I think I did give up. I was like, I, and literally, I was there. Summit was so. There's three summit points in Kilimanjaro. There's Gilman's point, that's not the route we did. The route we did, there's Stella point and Uhuru point. The Stella point was literally there. I couldn't get there. I just, I, couldn't, I couldn't get there. And I can't even explain the lack of motivation, energy I had. And I just couldn't do it. And the, the, the I was looking at Kieran and Kieran couldn't do it. Um, and I absolutely, like we would not have summited if it wasn't for Belinda at that point. So, um, yeah, because Blinda just, Blinda just smashed it. It was like a vision. I don't know where she got the strength from, but I, I could don't either. <laughs> and she had she, this in the she, she had the Shahids with her. Yeah. But Blinda, <laughs> she had the Shahids with her. She, I saw her. She was doing Jagari from the peak. Uh, I, and I could from the summit and I could see her she's got Nishan Sab on her. She's waving the Nishan Sab. She's doing uh, Jakari and in my heart do you know what I honestly thought I thought 
I'm so grateful you've made it. And at that point, I had no, I could hear her, but I had no will in the world to want to get there. And honestly, it was like about, I was about 20 feet away, but it was like, you know, the terrain, it was completely uphill and it was like um crushed, crushed stone. So you, it literally just feels like you're moving your foot and, drag down. and you're, you're not getting anywhere and you're stationary and at that point I just I physically gave up and I remember like Dish walking ahead and I remember my porter saying to me like you know do this for your dad and I said I don't care anymore and <laughs> for your children and I said I don't care for that anymore either and he said what is wrong with you and I said everything I don't want to do this and he punched me in my back and I said you can slap me in my face but I'm not going and I literally was like a really naughty, a really like insolent child who's not moving. I said, you can hit me in my face. I, said, I remember saying, hit me here. Because I, I, I was at that point, I was adamant. I couldn't care. And then I remember seeing somebody saying like, you know, you're going to get your summit certificate. I think it was, it was one of our port guides. I can't remember who. I said, I don't care. And. I honestly, I think at that point, I must have been like the naughtiest child on, on, cause I was like, I just don't care. I've got my porter, like, you know, physically abusing me. I'm saying, yeah, hit me here. And then like our guide, she came down, she was like, you can do this. And I was like, no, I can't. And I don't want to. And she was like, what's wrong with you? I was like, everything, I'm not doing it. I'd literally given up. And she turned around, put my hands around like, and she, you know, around her belly. And she almost like dragged me. Um, and then she said to me, do you want to take a picture? And I said, no, I don't. And she was like, oh, she was like, let me take one of you. I said, no, I don't want it. And that, and I remember thinking like in my head, it was going to be like a Bollywood movie scene where my coat comes off and I'm running around <laughs> saying, here we go, I'm at summit. Instead, it looks like I've done 10 rounds with Mike Tyson and I'm really depressed. my summit picture is just so awful and it makes me laugh like every time I think about that it makes but for me that will be my journey and that will be my story to tell because I just think it's so funny um that you have so many different thoughts of what you're doing or how you're going to get there and then all of a sudden everything changes everything you'd imagined everything you'd perceived it all goes and I'll be honest Ricky Throughout the night, as I was walking up, I was saying to myself, if I fall and smash my head here, then that's a perfect get out clause. I can go back down. And then I kept thinking, they didn't really love the morgi. Grand moment, I can go back down. I was finding a get out clause for myself throughout the whole night. And and I think if we didn't have each other, we wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Was it it kind of like at the point of where you're were you reflecting on your life in terms of what you're doing as you were going up because like oh, why am I doing this? Yeah. <laughs> I just think you know like you know your you, life you've choices. Got, you've got none of the girls all day in your head. You barely made it to the you Belinda made, thought she was going to Tenerife. Yeah, I thought I was going on my jolly, seriously. Yeah, you I barely made the first bit off the tarmac and then you've got all these bits going on there. You're like, what part of this is enjoyable? <laughs> You've got you've got attachments, you've got emails, you've got all these <laughs> But here's the thing, right? 
ask these ladies if they if they would recommend it and if they would do it again. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. No, I'm not going to do it again. Not that big. We live in an amazing world. We're not going to do Kitty again. <laughs> Although, you know, I, I, I could be persuaded to do it again. It was amazing. It was amazing it was. because it's that moment you realise, like you realise, what are you made of? What mm. are you made of in that moment when you do want to give up? When you are literally it's there and. So many people have asked us, like, what, like, I got so many messages, like, what, what does it compare against? Does it compare against a marathon? What about this? So I've done a marathon. I've done, I've, I've jumped out of a, done a skydive. I did 108 firewalks consecutive. I've done glass walking. I've done loads of stuff, right? <sighs> Nothing will compare to this experience and the, the level of depth that we had to dig because summit is just a culmination of all of those days of hiking all of those days of lack of sleeping for those who had altitude sickness like diarrhea sickness headaches it was horrific to get to that point where you were even starting summit and then when you get to the point where you you're about to do it it's like I don't know like do I even want this anymore um so yeah it's the most challenging thing that we have ever but done and actually what I haven't even talked about is that we're all mums we've all we've all gone through childbirth like we've we've done the difficult things it's not like we don't do that but it was without a doubt the the hardest thing any of us have done so like was the descent like is there what's the kind of what's that like is there any secrets around that or was it was that no, so nobody thought about this descent didn't they it was all concentrate we're going up we're going up nobody told us about how it's, it's like, it was like when happen. i became a dad first it was all about pregnancy 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 when the baby came out i was like what do i do now so yeah. like, was it was it like that when you go down when you were going down yeah. there i think all of us at some point thought because we, we look like the michelin men because we've got so many layers on I think most of us thought if we cover our face, maybe put our hands in front of our face, maybe roll, we down. Just roll down the rocks. Um, if we hit a boulder or two, we'll just see. Hopefully we'll save our head. I think me and Rapinder actually did do that quite a few times. But I think our legs, our legs, like our calves and our knees, they were like jelly as if there was no bone in them. And I remember thinking like, you know, you watch things like cartoons where like they start going wishy-washy and going like wavy I felt like that's what was happening to our bodies like they were like they were like jelly like there was just and on top of that the sun was blaring so all of us were walking around with these ripped noses ripped cheeks it was just it was just the most funniest descent ever But we, we didn't did get any then, though. We did it. We I can't wait. For, I can't wait. For, so the documentary bit. When is there any? What's the plans with that? I don't because I know, even from like editing stuff and fundraising and all these kind of things. Like, it's are we? Are you able to kind of share where you roughly think when it might be out? Yeah. So it's um, it's with it's being edited at the moment, and we are. Um, it's not going to be released until next year. Our aim with the documentary is that we want to pitch it. We want to pitch it to Netflix, Sky Documentaries, BBC, like all of those. We want it to be on a mainstream platform, but we also want to enter it into film festivals. So there's going to be screenings. Um, Remeth, who did obviously detoxification, did such an amazing job with that. With that, and she, she's doing. She, so we don't want to rush it. This isn't a rush job. This is something that they're going to pour a lot of love and attention to in terms of the storytelling. 
Sure. With the fundraising, we are um, £20,000. We have a shortfall of in terms of our fundraising. So we're speaking to sponsors. We're speaking to organisations that could um, help us meet that shortfall. So here's the thing. The fundraising is still going on. Um because we believe in this film, we believe it needs to be needs to be out there. I'll and put the link. I'll put the link onto the descriptions and everything. From yeah, there. that would be yeah. amazing. Amazing, and we're so grateful, so so grateful to all of the fun, all the sponsors, all the donors, everyone that stepped forward and supported it and got us to this point, like the point where we 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 did it, we've done it, we've got footage, and this this film, I think, is just going to shake things up a little bit in terms of the conversations women are having at home about what they want to do, what their dreams are, what their desires are, about the conversation their daughters are having, but also the conversation our mothers are having. Because this is has the potential of really shaking things up for all of our women. And that's what mm. we that's what we want to do. That's what we want to see. And and Nims, he himself he liked the post, didn't, didn't he, or something like that? I saw that. He did. He sent us a message and we're um he's yeah, he's incredible. So if, I don't know if it, if you've watched, have you seen 14 people? Yeah, yeah, because one of the questions I was going to ask you was like, was it was there a lot of litter up there? Actually, no. Okay. It was okay. And they're very kind of strict about what you, li- so in Tanzania, you can't take single-use plastic, you can't take carrier bags, you can't take, you know, the Ziploc bags. Um, and so they're very strict about that. And and we wouldn't, like, we have a love for nature. We we have a love for what we're doing. We, you, what you need to treat mother, mother Earth how you want to leave it, how you want the next generation to have it. So actually, there wasn't. They were very, very strict about it. Yeah, um, the fourteen peaks was like really. Yeah. I remember watching that and just seeing, you know, that's a different breed of human. You know, like the way that he was doing that mentality, that mental um, strength, and what he was doing to do some of those peaks within 48 hours and 24 hours and do, and like smashing records and, and the way that he was, the way he's done it, I thought like this, that's a different level of mentality, what, what he was, what he was doing. And uh... he has changed the face of and the game when it comes to mountaineering and to see a Nepali do that is incredible. So some of us, me, Kieran, some of the others, we went to the same altitude center that he trained at is here in London. And so some of the guys that trained him trained us and all of them said the same. They were like, he's a beast. The way he trains, the way his body is made up, but also the fact that he's just so incredibly kind and humble. And um, and for what actually, what I took away from the documentary that his film was how hard it was for him to get the money to do that mission, to do the expedition. So he was fundraising for nearly a year. And in the end they remortgaged their house and they had to go ahead and do it. And, and then the sponsors came on board. Um, but yeah, he was incredible. So he was in, so he was kind enough to message us a good message and um which I thought was really, really amazing. That was brilliant. That's gonna make the film brilliant. It's just gonna be Well, yeah, we wanna get him, we wanna get really yeah, yeah. we wanna get him at the screening and we want um yeah, we want he's he's a massive role model and inspiration for us. Okay, so the future then. Okay, so I want to kind of focus what is the sort of next 12 months look like for you guys? Who's starting? <laughs> it's gotta it's gotta be it's gotta kind of focus around Michi Pichi because this is the this is the plug for that bit now. Okay. Good thing you mentioned that then. Okay. Um so so the next so we don't want to stop just here. It was never meant to be 
let's just do Kilimanjaro and, and stop. So next year we're going to Peru. I'm taking a group of women to Machu Picchu um, and doing the Inca Trail. I just feel really, really passionately about, about adventure, about seeing the world. And so whilst we loved Kilimanjaro and loved Africa, we live in a, this incredible world. And then we live in a world where there's so much to, to see. So that is the focus. The film is the focus, getting the film out there, getting it entered into films, film festivals, into screenings and getting it out there. And um, let's see. I think... Everything that we've done has been around just following our intuition and just doing things, you know, and, I, and here's the beauty. I don't even know what, what's next. I don't even know what we're going to be blessed with. But what I do believe is if you've got a group of women that are behind you and support you, anything is possible. So let's see. Let's see what, what, next, let's see what next year brings in addition to all of that. Hmm. And um I just like, Belinda, are you, are you going to, are you going to, are you going on this or is it still going to be kind of a, like a, like a chill out holiday. No, Belinda, that holiday this time. <laughs> so no, Belinda's not right. Time. She needs to go sit on a beach for with her kids and like. Because uh, yeah. um, maybe the year after, whatever the adventure that is, I think. Because there's there's a there's a series on at the moment on Netflix called Ancient Apocalypse. There's a guy called um, Graham Hancock, and he's gone into like the history around kind of like Michi Picchu as well. So I I'll, I'll definitely oh, want to get that. I want to get your I'll get one I want to get your opinions on it from there. Um. But I just want to kind of say something else in terms of what you guys are, uh, have been doing because you recently put a blog around kind of like, like the loneliness of secondary infertility as well. And I think those kind of subject matters and tackling uh, stigmas and, and those taboo subjects are massive. And I just want to congratulate you on those that kind of work as well. And it needs to be kind of shared out a lot. It's um, something personal to quite a lot of us as well even in relationships as well how it affects it but I think um having that spoken word and having been you know put down on paper or digital in any way is is massive so I want to say kind of a really big thank you to to you guys and, and to make sure that you keep that kind of content those subject matters um definitely on the public agenda Thank you. And yeah, we do. We talk, I've talk, we've talked about mental health. We've talked about depression. We've talked about suicide. We've talked about um, addictions. We've talked, we talk, so I don't shut, there's no topic that we will shy away from that we, you know, we talked about LGBT. We've talked about loads of different things. Um, and, and, and that platform, the AWMB platform in terms of writing a blog is open to anyone like I encourage people to send stuff in that we want to public. We want to publish those those stories, and and I think if it just helps one one person feel less alone, our job is done. That's what we're here to do is just to, is is to navigate this this life that we've been given, and just feel like actually someone understands that I'm not alone in doing this. That is it. That's the whole purpose of what we're doing. Okay, right. The last bit, last question that I do. It's called the bandwagon. So this is where I kind of open it out to the guests, where I basically say, "You, the, um, is there a bandwagon that you want to jump on, jump off, or is there anything that you want to get off your chest?" This is the virtual safe space for you to unload. Well, uh, no attachments, but just generally. Just <laughs> <laughs> um. So, what was it? Bandwagon you want to get off? You can jump on? on or jump off, or is there anything that you just want to get off your chest? This is your. This is your space. So mine would just be, let's get behind people that are doing good things. I think there's so many incredible things happening in the South Asian community. We've got podcasts, films, um, creatives, 
there are so, there's so much good happening. I think if we can come together um, and put our differences aside and just come together as a community, we are formidable. So that's what I would just say is get get behind people who are doing good things and and you know really get behind them. Don't think actually if it was my mate, I'd get behind them. But get behind them and support them. Sure. You know what just show up for yourself show up for yourself show up for your people you know there's so many people that I think Benji said earlier on that will try and pull your legs you know we don't need to be that kind of weird nonsense Punjabi community we need to be the people that really step up and actually step up for our own because that's it's so important it's so key and if I hadn't found some of these spaces, I could have been in a really different situation to where I am now. So share it as well, because sometimes we've got this thing that we find something and we want to keep that secret to ourselves. Like God forbid, should anybody find out? It's so important, you know, share the love, share it out because there is space for everyone. There is space for everyone. Belinda? Yeah, just be a cheerleader for everyone, really. There's the, the world's a big place and there's a space for everyone, really. And I know we're talking about people dragging people down, but there are a few and good people. There are many. So if we can all stick yeah. together, we can achieve big things. Thank you, everyone. I really appreciate it. It's really inspiring. Um, I, I think there's so much golden nuggets to take what everyone's kind of shared today. And I'm sure it's going to resonate with people when they listen to it or watch it or whatever it's going to be. Um, but thank you for taking the time out. And I will definitely kind of catch up with you guys once the film's out. I'm going to hold you accountable. When's the <laughs> film? I want to I want to know about Mitch right. I, I want to know about all of it. So thank you very much. Thanks, Ricky. <laughs> no problem. See you later. Bye. See ya. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.